Lowe's knows you'll do spring right by saving on what you need to get your lawn and garden in shape. We do it right, too, with deals to help you save every day, like four bags of premium mulch now for just $10. And buy one one-and-a-half-cubic-foot bag of miracle Grow vegetable and herb garden soil. Get a Bonnie Basics plant for free. Whatever's on your spring to-do list, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through 5-1 while supplies last. Bonnie offer valid on select 11.8-ounce pots. Valid in-store only. See store for details. U.S. only. Excludes Alaska and Hawaii. Welcome to the Off the Glass Podcast, bringing you a fresh, intelligent, thought-provoking perspective to the game of basketball. This is your host, Z. Thanks for joining me today on episode 17, as I'm going to cover a few topics. We're going to dig into this NCAA scandal, also take a look at the Western Conference playoff race, also going to touch down in the Eastern Conference, talk about Boston, Toronto, and Cleveland ask a question about Washington. And last but not least, we're going to talk about the MVP race between Anthony Davis and James Harden. But first, thanks for all those who continue to support your boy. Thanks for for downloading. Thanks for listening. Thanks for subscribing. Uh, Let's continue to grow this thing. But man, as I had stated earlier, and I want to say it was episode two of this podcast when the initial NCAA investigation had broke out. And at the time, it mainly involved Louisville, Auburn, USC, um, a big name executive over at Adidas, uh, talks of money exchanging hands, and the FBI was investigating. Not the NCAA, but the FBI was investigating this. But now, about a week or so ago, news really broke and really hit the fan about how extensive this this thing has been and it went, and several names, players' names who actually um, were in this past draft came out and showed how much money they had actually reportedly or allegedly had received from from these, from these this agency that's also been linked to this. And Dennis Smith Jr. led the, 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 uh, the, the amount with $73,500 uh, to go to NC State. Isaiah Whitehead from Seton Hall, who plays for the Brooklyn Nets, 37000 Bam out of Bayou that went to Kentucky, plays for Miami, about 36000 Markel Fultz, 10000 Diamond Stone, 14000 Kyle Kuzma, 6500 And Josh Jackson from Kansas was $2,700. And there were several other names that were linked to big-name programs, like Duke was linked in this. Obviously, I just named Kentucky. Uh, Michigan State involving uh, Miles Bridges, um, something about a dinner being paid for, um, and um, it was it was just North Carolina was linked to this. Like I said, Kansas was linked to this, so it just shows all this major uh, corruption that's going on at the NCAA level. And like I've been screaming at the top of my lungs for the whole time is that this system is broken and needs to be fixed. You have money changing hands, and in some cases, yes, you have a lot of money changing hands. So people were really taking out these loans from these agents to kind of, you know, uh, and the agents was doing it with the hopeful hope that these guys would actually sign with them. That's the crazy thing. So could you imagine as an agent you're giving out a loan and there's no guarantee that the person's going to sign with you? But, you know, this is what was going on. But you even had cases like Miles Bridges, you know, possibly paying for a dinner. Um, 
buying a computer, you know, these kind of things, some of these things that are, in my opinion, trivial things, you know, it shouldn't matter how somebody pays for a meal. I mean, it's just a meal. Um, if somebody in college, obviously you're going to need a computer, you're going to need a laptop. If they need the one to buy one, you know, they should be able to have the means to do so. But the, the big issue is it just shows and confirms that the system is broken. Now, this story has kind of been walked back in, but it was even at the time, you know, it was earth shattering because reportedly and allegedly ESPN had broke the story that supposedly Sean Miller, the coach of Arizona, was on an FBI wiretap talking about $100,000 in exchange for the who's probably going to be the number one pick this year is DeAndre Ayton out of Arizona. But it has since been refuted. The timelines don't really match up, so don't know how much validity is in that in that statement, it seems like ESPN kind of put the cart before the horse, so to speak, and got a little bit in front of themselves when they did the reporting. But needless to say that the system is definitely broken. And, you know, I, I was arguing, I even said this on the first podcast, because, you know, it's interesting that most um, people feel like the system is broken, but they either fall in two camps that some people are still banging the drum that education is payment enough. Um, well, let me check that. Some, it's like three camps. Some people feel like education is payment enough, like they get enough money for school, books, and all those things, and they should just be happy and take advantage of that. Some people feel like they should get paid, but um, and, this, and it should fall on the schools. And then others feel like, yes, they should get paid, but it should not fall on the schools. So, it kind of puts us at, at, in no man's land, so to speak. Me personally, I personally feel like a simple f- solution to fix is just let the big name athletes be able to sell their likeness and make money off endorsements. So anything with their picture on it, um, any jersey sales, uh, if Nike want to sign them early, they can get money for that. Um, and then that, to me, that takes all the burden um, – off the university for having to worry about trying to have salaries to pay these guys. Is this fair? You know, what about some of the other teams, uh, whether it's men's soccer or women's volleyball, shouldn't they be getting paid and all that? And my whole argument has been as far as payment goes that to me, the fairness argument should goes out the window because again, I stated this before, this is capitalism. There's nothing fair about capitalism. If it was fair, we wouldn't have poor people, we wouldn't have poverty, but for this system to function, you need poverty, you need the poor. So if every other level of this system, you get what your value is so what, or whatever you negotiate. So it's obvious that some of these players have a high value because they're bringing in millions to the university and the coaches and the, the athletic departments, the presidents of these schools, they're also raking in millions off these guys. I mean, Alabama football program reportedly just spent over $10 million to build a new facility just for when they have recruits come in. I mean, think about how that sounds. They spent $10 million. So where did that money come from? Did it fall out the sky? No. It's the fact that it's a big-name program raking in millions of dollars, TV revenue, all these other things from the stadium sales, you know, all this stuff that, that goes on, and the players are seeing none of this money. Now, Jalen Rose sparked a controversy, and of course, Jalen Rose of the Fab Five. If you haven't seen that documentary for 30 for 30, check it out. But he basically said that these players, he feel like should boycott uh, the March Madness tournament, and a lot of people laughed at him. A lot of people ridiculed him. Um, I even remember the host, uh, 
Dove Godley, who actually played at Oklahoma State and was a real solid point guard, led the nation in assists, couldn't shoot. But he goes as far as to try to even criticize Jalen's playing career, which to me had nothing to do with Jalen's overall argument. Me personally, I feel like to each his own. I mean, I definitely think boycotting is the only way you really get people's attention is by taking money out of their pockets. But let's, I didn't think it was a, a asinine or a far-fetched idea that he came up with. I mean, it even sparked controversy on Facebook. And I remember getting to this back-and-forth debate with, with somebody on Facebook in this group um, that I'm a, a part of. And her whole thing was that she just feels like education is enough and the school takes all the risk. And she was just looking at it through this academic mindset, which is a very narrow-minded way to view things. You know, numbers – do hold its weight it does it is a tool that you can use but it's not the end all be all and to sit back and look at this system and think that that the system is okay and it doesn't need to fix be fixed there's something wrong with you I mean she was even going as far as to argue with people who played in this system and was a part of the system at a high level you know a guy like Sergio McClain Kevin Turner like she was going back and forth with some of these guys and you know it, it just really is amazing to me that that she couldn't see and others in the in the comments couldn't see that this system is broken, man. And, you know, what's going to end up happening, and it looks like the NBA is going to have to step up, even though I don't know why they should in a way because it's the NCAA's problem, but it's also falling back on them because of the one-and-done rule. But what's going to end up happening is they're going to make this G League even stronger. And the plan has already been put in motion where now uh, you have these two-way contracts. So you have guys who's earning – a little bit of money. I'm not 100% sure what the salary is because I, I don't know if it necessarily knocks out the 10-day contracts and all that, but I know I had looked up that the the Bulls team, for example, there's a guy, a guard, I forget his first name. Oh, Antonio Blakely signed a, two, a two-way contract, and I looked at a couple different websites. It looks like that contract is roughly for close to 60000 which is way more money than what they was earning if they didn't get a 10-day contract or a call-up from the G League to the to the to the main league. So they they already kind of laid the groundwork to kind of get the ball rolling on improving this issue. To me, I don't understand why. So if we look at this year's class, we talk about like a Zion Williamson. I don't understand why he just wouldn't open it up. Excuse me, and feel offers to just go overseas for a year. I mean, we see the guy doing it right now for Oklahoma uh, City, Terrence Ferguson. He went to Australia. We saw Brandon Jennings do it. Um, controversy, we see uh, even younger now. We see the, the Ball brothers doing it. And if I was a top, a top prospect, you mean to tell me that your stock is going to crash that fast in a year? I mean, Emmanuel Moutier went to China for a year, and he came back and still was a top 10 lottery pick. So for me, it doesn't even make sense to go to college for one year when you know you're leaving anyway. I would rather go get my education on the fly early and start learning how to be a pro. I mean, Ben Simmons, on um, the interview, he sat down with, with Maverick Carter on YouTube. I, I believe the, the channel is uninterrupted. I can't remember the, the series, but it's a really good series. I recommend you check it out. But he was just stating how he learned nothing at LSU, it was a, a lack of better words. I'm paraphrasing. It's not an exact quote. It was a waste of his time. And he was even going as far as to say how they was even exploiting his presence there, how billboards upon billboards of his face and LSU gear 
was being sold, um, how his billboards was, the billboards was all over the state of Louisiana and how, you know, as the season went on, you know, he'll have class and then, you know, practice and the individual workouts. And then it's like they want to pull him and start doing all these media events, you know, come sign this for this charity, come do that. And all this stuff he was receiving no conversation from. And it was actually, you know, eating up and taking up some of his free time. Me personally, I would have just told him I'm not going to do it. I mean, what they going to do, not not play Ben Simmons. But um, he was just saying how, you know, he would have been better served to just go and just learn how to be a pro instead of going to, to school for a whole year. So not quite sure how all this is going to shake out. I'm pretty sure it's going to be more to come. It's going to be an ongoing story, ongoing situation. But needless to say, the NCAA system has been broken and needs to be fixed. And it just shows you how arrogant and how cocky this system is because it's going to get to a point where if they don't fix it, it's going to be broke and then it's not going to be any NCAA. Now, moving on into the NBA, um, we're 10 games outside of the All-Star break. Um, it's been a huge contested playoff race going on in the Western Conference where your two clear-cut favorites is Houston and Golden State. And even they're involved in a race for themselves for the one spot. So it doesn't look like Golden State is going to be able to just kind of cruise to that one spot and just get ready for the playoffs. You know, Houston's currently in first, but Golden State is only a, a half a game behind them. Everybody else from three through eight – are all jockeying for those positions. So right now, Portland is third, New Orleans is fourth, San Antonio is fifth, Minnesota is sixth, Oklahoma City is seventh, and Denver is eighth. Lakers are, I mean, the Clippers are right there. They're uh, half a game out, and then Utah is actually another. So you got 10 teams uh, competing for the last uh, five spots, and it's going to be a close contested race down the stretch. And you know, the major story has been, and we're going to talk about it later with the MVP stuff, has been the play uh, Anthony Davis in New Orleans. Everybody left them for dead once uh, Boogie Cousins, DeMarcus Cousins, went down with the torn Achilles. But they've been playing well. Uh, still don't know if Kawhi is coming back. I mean, that's just such a crazy situation that's going on there. And rumor that has it is that, you know, his circle has kind of changed a little bit and. Some people or one person that might not have power before in the circle kind of does now, and they think he's the one that's kind of influencing Kawhi's decision-making and is the driving force. And I'm not saying it's a negative. I'm just saying that kind of explains what's going on because apparently he was diagnosed. He had this uh, quadriceps injury before, and they had fixed it, but now it had reoccurred. During the All-Star break, it was reported he went to New York for a second opinion. And then Popovich called him out in the media basically saying, you know, he's not going to – he'll be surprised if he plays this year. But since then, he's been back in San Antonio, back at the facility, uh, participating in team activities. Uh, but no timetable or no word has been given on when he might play again. I know Lamar as, – as I tape this podcast, I should say, so if something comes out later, yes, I stand corrected. But Aldridge had the sprained ankle, so he's uh, been out. But um, – it's going to be interesting. It could be the first time. I think it is. I haven't done the math, but also, you know, San Antonio, it'll be the first time, I want to say, in over 15, 
maybe even longer than that, years, but 15 plus years at least that they won't get to 50 wins. I mean, that's just an incredible, incredible streak which speaks to the excellence of the organization down in San Antonio. But big picture, I'll be surprised at the end of the season if uh, Kawhi Leonard's there. I think he's going to end up with the Lakers in L.A. Minnesota has since lost Jimmy Butler to a torn meniscus. He's out for the season, possibly might come back through the playoffs. But the good thing about Minnesota, they're in a good position because they own a lot of the tiebreakers. So barring just a disastrous fall, they should probably make the playoffs. Portland, even though they're third, ironically, they don't have any tiebreakers. So every night for them, when they play somebody that has the same record or close to the record or division opponent, it's like a playoff game for them. Um, Oklahoma City, man, wouldn't that be something if they don't make it? I, I, I just don't like the way this team is. And, again, I, like I said, I don't want to sound like a broken record. But, actually, it's not even really Westbrook. Westbrook has been playing well. George has been playing well all season, even though he's kind of hit a tough stretch here the last couple of games. The main issue is Carmelo Anthony. And I think what we're seeing right in front of us is the the – the downfall, well, I shouldn't say the downfall, but the aging of a superstar right in front of our eyes, man. And I'm not saying they should have kept Cantor and McDermott. I just think maybe they should have made a different trade because they brought in Carmelo Anthony thinking he was going to be Carmelo Anthony, thinking he was going to be the Olympic version Melo, which I never understood the argument for that because one one thing for sure is they're not playing against the same competition. I don't care how good some of these international teams are because they have NBA players. They're still not a whole NBA team. Secondly, he's not playing with – even though he's playing with George and Westbrook, he's not playing – the whole team is not made up of great NBA players. So this whole idea that he was just going to step in and want to be a catch-and-shoot player – on a regular NBA team just never made sense to me. I mean, he's a negative for them on defense. He gets blown by. He comes down, runs pick and roll where he can just look to shoot. He doesn't look to pass. If he's not catching and making threes, it's just like, what do you have from him? But it's like as mellow. You can't necessarily put him on the bench because they don't have anything on the bench because they traded everything away. So, man, it would be something that they don't make it. I'm, I'm going to say that I think they do make it because I think Westbrook is just that great. I think George is just that good. But, um, I don't see them going deep in the playoffs like that. I just don't see it, man. Um, especially if Melo is definitely on the downside of his career, which I think he is. Um, so to me, it comes down to Denver and the Clippers and also Utah. Um, the Clippers, man, for Doc Rivers, I didn't think he was a great coach like that. He's done a hell of a job this season. It's almost like he's been doing it with smoke and mirrors, man. I watched him play last night, and even though they – Lost to New Orleans with Anthony Davis having another incredible night. That team still plays hard and still plays well. Uh, Denver just doesn't play enough defense, man. I really like their team. They have great parts, but they just don't play any defense. And to me, some nights it's hit or miss still with um, with Murray. I like Murray. Not willing to give up on Murray, but, you know, like to me, if their backcourt doesn't play well, and now Millsap is back, so they kind of got to shake up their lineup again um, to get him in there. I think Denver is going to be the team, if I had to pick, that's going to be left out. Um, I think Utah is going to end up sliding into that position because if they can get just enough offense, they play good enough defense that they could be in that AFC. So for me, I, not in any particular order because, again, 
the standings can shake out. But I think I'm, we're going to have, obviously, Houston and Golden State. But I think Portland, New Orleans, San Antonio, Minnesota, Oklahoma City, and Utah is going to round out your top eight uh, for the playoffs. And, um, you know, Houston is currently riding high. I want to say they either at 16 or 17 in a row. I think it's 16 as they beat Oklahoma City last night at Oklahoma City. Um, they're 33-1 and one when James Harden, Chris Paul, and Clint Capella plays. Um, I, I'm starting to lean more. It's not as high I thought at the beginning. It was just a far-gone conclusion that Golden State was just going to walk through Houston and go to another uh, NBA Finals. Uh, but, um, again, my concern with Houston has always been, again, the ball movement. Um, the, the playing one-on-one, the iso ball is just not going to work against a team like Golden State because, again, as much as we want to look at their offense, and rightfully so, when you have three prolific you know, scores, or I would say three prolific shooters, you have two prolific scores in Durant and Curry, and then you have Thompson as a great catch, knockdown shooter, and also as a good, versatile defender. But the fact that they're so good and so sound on defense, um, that's just not going to work against them to be able to dribble off the shot clock and hunt mismatches and see if you can draw fouls. I'm not saying they can't win any games, but at the beginning, I had Houston and Golden State if they met in the finals. I had Golden State winning in maybe six, possibly five, depending on how it shook out. But I was going to give Houston some respect because they added CP3 and say six. But this could easily be um, a seven-game series. Now, I still think Golden State in the end comes out on top because, again, I just don't think Houston – um, is going to be able to stop the offense and play a, a lot of defense like that, even though um, Balamute is back healthy. He's been the main claw, uh, cog in their defensive lineups with Tucker and him and Ariza being able to get out there on the wings and guard and defend multiple positions has definitely made them a much improved team. And, you know, that's an example. Of he's one of those players and one of those guys where, you know, you got to fill your roster out. You know, you can't pay – him a bunch of money like I think his contract is like two million so it's a very 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 good contract but those are the kind of players that you need on your roster that don't break the bank that um ultimately helps you win championships so it's going to be an exciting race down to the to the wire here in the western conference um the east conference again is is between obviously Toronto um who's leading right now yeah Toronto is leading so it's going to be Toronto Boston and Cleveland, Indiana's fourth, Washington's fifth, Philly sixth, Milwaukee seventh, and Miami eighth. So right now, those are more than likely going to be your eight teams in the uh, playoffs for the East. Detroit is like four and a half, five games back now at this point. But we don't know the order. You know, it looks like Toronto is, is going to be the favorite. Um, Cleveland could possibly move up, but they would have to go on a hell of a losing streak, Toronto and Boston, because they're nine games back of Toronto now. But Indiana, they could move up to three. They're only a half game behind Cleveland. And then Washington is right there. They're only game and a half behind Cleveland. Philly is 11, is um, two games back of Cleveland, and then it keeps going down, so on and so forth. So we could see a change between three and five between Cleveland, Indiana, and Washington. The biggest question mark and is, is going to be until we get there is can Toronto do it this year? Is this their year? Do they have enough to get back past a team if they have to face, you know, a Cleveland team led by LeBron James? You know, the biggest question is how is those ro- rotations going to shake out? You're not going to usually, historically, you don't play 
you know, a lot of, of, of guys in the playoffs. You know, those rotations de- definitely shortened, and the biggest strength Toronto has been the play of their young guys in their bench. And also the fact that they have revamped the offense. I think Dwayne Casey deserves a ton of credit. In my opinion, he's my coach of the year. Just what he's doing up there, the consistency, um, they're tough to beat at home. Um, of course, Boston's going to be right there. They just had a weekend shootout on Saturday with Houston where a couple turnovers and a couple plays by Ariza kind of put Houston over the hump. Boston easily could have won that game. But the question for them is going to be, is there enough offense with Kyrie Irving? Can he create enough offense? Can you get that that third option from a Jason uh, Tatum or Jalen Brown? You know Horford is going to give you solid play. You know what you're going to get from Smart. Um, Cleveland, again, just still gelling. Um, Kevin Love should be back soon from the hand injury. So we really can't see or judge what we're going to get from Cleveland um, until Love is inserted back to the lineup. And also, you know, shout out, shouts out to Love, you know, for his Players Tribune uh, article where he talked about having a panic attack this year at the Atlanta Hawks and dealing with some other issues. And, you know, it's a lot of that going on these days, man, where we're kind of just glossing over this issue of mental illness. And um, not to get off on a too much of a tangent, but, you know, even with the incident that took place in, in Florida, the unfortunate one, the tragic incident when the, the young man uh, shot and killed all those his fellow students down at that high school in Florida, you know, when all these incidents happen, the first thing we want to talk about is gun control and nobody wants to talk about mental illness. And it's usually those are the first programs, social programs that they want to cut. And I could do a whole podcast on that on, a, on another podcast. But, you know, just shouts out to Kevin Love for kind of bringing that issue out and showing that these guys play basketball for a living. Yeah, they make a lot of money, but at the end of the day, they are human beings. They do have feelings. They do go through things. So the fact that he was able to open up and make himself vulnerable, shouts out to him. But we won't really know what we're going to get from Cleveland. The young guys have kind of been up and down. They're definitely going to need some from Rodney Hood. I mean, he has all the talent in the world, but he tends to float a lot through games. You know, it's kind of the same thing you see from Andrew Wiggins in, in Minnesota sometimes. They got to get more from Rodney Hood. Nance had a career night the other night on Monday night, 22 points, I want to say like 17 rebounds. So Nance is giving them great minutes, great energy. Um, Ty Lue, again, going to have to continue to tweak this offense uh, for their success. Indiana, you know, their success is based on who can stay healthy in their lineups. They need Darren Collison to come back, keep Oladipo happy, uh, not happy, excuse me, healthy as they um, – Going to uh, into the the playoff stretch here, Lance Stevenson's play solid for them. Now the interesting thing that brings us to Washington is how they flourished and actually played well since the absence of John Wall. And now it's sparking, you know, questions: Should the the Wizards go ahead and try to move Wall? I think they should. Um, it's going to be hard to do because he has a huge contract. Um, I'm going to pull it up here while I'm talking, but he has a huge contract and it's going to be tough to move, but their ball movement has been better. Their spacing has been better, which, I mean, sometimes that happens. I don't think that's necessarily a detriment um, to Wall because, you know, when you have a point guard like him, like his caliber, his talent, and he happens to be, you know, a ball-dominant point guard, you know, it's just quite natural that, of course, you know, once he leaves, the ball is going to move more. I mean, it just it only makes sense, but oh, my God. Oh, wow. Whew. So next year, he's due $19 million. The year after that, 
40 million and 43. Oh my God, that contract might be untradeable. Ooh, man. And it was interesting because, you know, his one of his teammates, I want to say it was Gortok, tweeted out how they've been playing better without him. Um, kind of paraphrasing, but that's basically what he said. Wow, that's interesting, man. I did not know in the last two years of his deal, he's going to get over $80 million. Wow. Yeah, he Washington might have a problem on their hands because Bradley Beal has definitely stepped up and shown that he can carry a franchise and be the man on their team. And um, it just might be better chemistry-wise if they go ahead and try to move Wall again. I don't know if it's possible, but, man, I can't say that enough. $83 million. Wow. Whew. But, um, yeah, I don't think uh, they should hold on to Wall like that. Um, they have played well. Like I said, they're going to make the playoffs. Philly, again, is going to make the playoffs. It's been rumored they had the billboards in Philly. They're trying to get LeBron James to come there. I don't see how that works. Because what are you going to do with Bill uh, Bill Simmons? With Ben Simmons, if LeBron's there, because LeBron's going to want to have the ball in his hand. Ben Simmons doesn't uh, shoot the ball well. Obviously, he can't stretch the floor. So how is that going to work with spacing? But uh, when Embiid on the floor, definitely exciting watch. I'm going to be excited to see them in the playoffs. And Milwaukee is seventh, man. I would think Milwaukee with Giannis would be much higher. But they're only 34 and 30. Jabari Parker's back. He's working his way back into shape. He's played well when he's coming off the bench. Um, but I would think their record would be a little bit better with Giannis playing um, at an MVP level this year. To me, it's been Harden, Giannis, and now Davis. Um, but Harden and Giannis has been your most consistent MVP-type players all year. LeBron started off strong but kind of tailed off when they went through there. Their turmoil there, and now he's back to playing well since they shook the team up. Um, who else? Man, Kevin Durant has been super efficient, playing well. Steph Curry, I think it's like fifth in scoring in the league. He's been playing well, but you would think him and KD cancel each other out. But, yeah, I would think Milwaukee would be much higher, but we'll see where it all shakes out. They could finish as high as fourth. Possibly they're only three games out right now. Uh, Miami, solidly playing well. Um, I know Dwayne Wade has been playing well of late, but I just don't think overall for the success of their team, he should be featured this this hard. He's definitely at the back end of his career. Um, you know, it's a great story. It's an emotional story, him returning to Miami, but I don't think that helps them long term. Detroit has been a disaster. That Blake Griffin trade is going to be, it looks like it's not going to be a great, a great trade. And I know he's on a huge contract. Um, as well, see if I could pull up his money again real quick. Yeah, I mean, he's 29 million this year, 31 next, 34, 36, 38. Yeah, that's wow, that's gonna be a bad contract as well. Um, but I did at the time get what they had to do it, they had to do something, try to put some butts in the seats. But that'll probably pretty much wrap it on the Eastern Conference right now. We're gonna pause, we're gonna take a quick break, and on the other side of the break, we're gonna delve into this MVP race. More to come on the Off the Glass podcast. Hey there, are you enjoying the podcast? If so, make sure to head over to www.spreaker.com. That's S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R.com and become a follower of the Off the Glass podcast. You can also head over to my website, The Off the Glass Podcast, where I have several blogs already written. Make sure to read, comment, and finally, make sure to head over to Facebook.com 
Search Zach Ramey. Follow the page, the Off the Glass Podcast. Thanks for the support. Thanks for listening. Let's continue to grow this thing. Now back to the show. Welcome back to the Off the Glass Podcast. And as I stated before we went to break, we're going to jump right into this MVP race, which in my opinion right now is a two-man race. It's between James Harden and Anthony Davis. And, you know, again, I think ultimately James Harden is going to win the award. He should have won it last year. You know, he'll be – he was he's a two-time runner-up at this point. Um, his team is the best record. If they win the West, usually history has shown us that the the, the team or the guy who, who leads his team to the best record and has the, the, the stats and everything to back it up usually makes usually makes the um makes the uh all NBA first team as well as win the MVP. And currently he's leading and scoring at 31 points a game. I was just trying to pull that up. Um he's third in assists. He's been playing well. Uh Houston's been playing well. But Anthony Davis is right there at 28 points a game. And um he's averaging a double double and I even pulled up his numbers, man, um, over the month of February where he was named Player of the Month from the Western Conference for the month of February, and his numbers were just insane. I mean, 53 points, 17 points, 17 rebounds, five blocks one game, 45 points, 17 rebounds, five blocks, five steals, 44 points, 17 rebounds, three, three blocks, excuse me, 43 points, 10 rebounds, two steals, 42 points, 15 rebounds, three steals, two blocks, 38 points, 10 rebounds, three blocks, 38, nine, and two. And last night, I, I believe he had another game where he um, finished with, let me pull it up real quick. I want to get these stats right. Don't want to snub him on anything. Yeah, he finished with 41 points and 13 rebounds, another solid game, as well as he had uh, four blocks. And I, I believe the article read the, the stat line. He had 31 of those points in the second half. So he's been dominant. And it's going to be interesting because if he can get them all the way to the third seed, you know, if anything, Russell Westbrook's MVP kind of paved the way because it's in being recent memory that, you know, you can have a lower-seeded team and still win the MVP. I just think, though, James Harden has history on his side because a lot of people have been championing him to win it, and rightfully so. He has had an unbelievable season. So barring something drastic, I think James Harden will be your MVP this year. But, man, the, the – it's, it's good to see Anthony Davis kind of coming to his own. And he said he he definitely have taken on the attitude and the mindset of a Russell Westbrook took on uh, once the Marcus Cousins got hurt. So um, just kind of wanted to touch on that real quick. That's going to bring this episode of the Off the Glass podcast to a close. Thanks for joining your boy Z. Don't forget to follow, subscribe, subscribe, all those things. Stay safe out there. Peace. Lowe's knows you'll do spring right by saving on what you need to get your lawn and garden in shape. We do it right, too, with deals to help you save every day, like four bags of premium mulch now for just $10. And buy one one-and-a-half-cubic-foot bag of miracle Grow vegetable and herb garden soil. Get a Bonnie Basics plant for free. Whatever's on your spring to-do list, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through 5-1 while supplies last. Bonnie offer valid on select 11.8-ounce pots. Valid in-store only. See store for details. U.S. only. Excludes Alaska and Hawaii. Lowe's knows you'll do spring right by saving on what you need to get your lawn and garden in shape. 
We do it right too with deals to help you save every day, like four bags of premium mulch now for just ten dollars, and buy one one and a half cubic foot bag of Miracle Grow vegetable and herb garden soil. Get a Bonnie Basics plant for free. Whatever's on your spring to do list, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through five one while supplies last. Bonnie offer valid on select eleven point eight ounce pots. Valid in store only. See store for details. U.S. only. Excludes Alaska and Hawaii.